Good morning again, saints. If you have your Bible, please open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. Believers in uh, the first century were called something else before they were called uh, Christians. They were known as something else. They were described as something else, identified as something else. Uh, do you know what they were called? Do you have any idea? Yes. Early believers were known as followers of the way, W-A-Y. And this way is particular. It's exclusive, it's definite, it's open. And this way is a person. The way is Jesus Christ. For he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And to have faith in him is to be a follower of him. So are you a follower of the way? Are you a follower of the way? The way is the name of our new sermon series in the Gospel of Matthew. This series is, is all about Jesus of Nazareth. It's all about him being the way, the promised way, the long anticipated way, the fulfillment way, the priestly way, the prophetic way, the kingly way, the messianic way, and the redemptive way. So if you have your Bible, you look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And today I'm going to talk about roots of the way. Roots of the way. Here's the word of God. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amenadad, and Amenadad the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, Uriah and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abinjai, and Abinjai the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Jerome, and Jerome the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jothan, and Jothan the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shetel, and Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel was the father of Abinu, and Abinu the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadak, and Zadak the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Elud, and Elud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matham, and Matham the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And for the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of our God. Please pray with and for me. 
Father, as we come to the preaching of your truth, we, I pray that your, your spirit will give us great insight, that he will give us understanding, that he will descend into this place, minister to our hearts and minister to our minds, that he will show us that you are, in fact, sovereign over us and you are with us throughout this life in the good and the bad. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. To forget one's ancestors is to be a book without a source and a tree without a root, says one Chinese proverb. See, each of us here have roots that connect us to our ancestors. We, they, they connect us to our family history. All of you are part of some family tree with deep roots, then these roots are real. Even if you can't trace the roots, even if you try to run from them, your ancestral and family roots are part of you, part of your story, part of your history, part of your own genealogy. And the same is true for Jesus Christ. He has ancestral and, and family roots. And these roots are deep. They, they are part of his part of him, part of his earthly story. His earthly history. And that's what we see here in Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. It's a descending genealogy. Kids, look at me. Look at Pastor Alex for a moment. I want to talk to just you. I want to talk to just you for a moment. Each of you didn't appear just out of the blue. Okay? Your existence in life isn't a mistake or, or an accident. It has purpose. It has value. It has dignity. It has self-worth. You were created by divine design. Each of you were. And you were born into a family or you have been adopted into a family. And so that means each of you are a descendant of someone. Descendants of a family. That means you are connected to a family. The ones that are alive and the ones who have passed on into glory. And that means you are part of a family tree with deep roots. Those roots are part of you. And when you grow up and when you get married and you have your own kids, you get to add new branches to that family tree. And every tree has branches. And these branches represent various family members and ancestors. What kind of branches do you think are in Jesus' earthly family tree? What kind of branches? Mm-hmm. Good. My little theologian. It's a mixed group. There are heroes there. There are good and evil kings there. Gentiles are there. There's a man that's after God's own heart that is there. Murderers are there. A man of faith is there. Immoral people are there. And a man of wisdom is in that tree. You see, Jesus' earthly roots aren't perfect and clean roots. They're messy and broken. Shades of gray. His ancestors and family had issues. And the Bible doesn't deny it. The Bible doesn't hide it. The Bible acknowledges it. Matthew arranges Jesus' family tree into three groups of 14 generations. I call these generational branches. The first group is from Abraham to David. The second group is from David to the deportation to Babylon. And the third group is the uh, deportation to Babylon and to Christ. 
The first group of generational branches is what I call the patriarch branches. The patriarch branches. And they show you that Jesus is a descendant of a man who was once a pagan. Okay? He's a descendant of a man who, who used to worship false gods. And that's Abraham. If you know Abraham's story, you know God called him out of being a pagan. He called him out. Changed Abraham's heart. And Abraham believed God and that was credited to him as righteous. Abraham was a man of faith. But yet Abraham had his issues, his failures, his shortcomings, his mistakes. God even promised to make him into a great nation. And he and through him, all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. Even though he failed, God remained faithful to Abraham. Even in the old in his old age, God God blessed Abraham with a child with Isaac, a child of promise, a miracle in a sense. Abraham was in his 90s, I think, when he had Isaac. And then you have Jacob, who's in the tree. And if you know Jacob, he was a con man. He conned his own brother out of his birthright. He was a deceiver until the Lord changed him. Then you have Judah, who is the royal line out of Jacob's sons. And what did Judah do? He committed an immoral act by fathering two sons with his own daughter-in-law. Tamar. You have two Gentile women. In this first group, Rahab and Ruth, those are not Jewish women. They are Gentile women. Right here in Jesus' genealogy. The second group of generational branches is what I call the monarch branches, the kingly branches. And they begin with, with King David, the man out of God's own heart. And God promised David that he would establish David's throne forever, forever. And like Abraham, David, too, wasn't perfect. He, too, had his issues. He had another man murdered and took that man's wife for himself. And that's Solomon. Came out of that union. And we know Solomon. He was the richest and wisest man during his time. Had all that money, all that wealth. He even built the Lord's temple in his old age because he loved foreign women. His heart turned away from the Lord. In his old age. Then after David, you have uh, another group of monarchs that, that's filled with a mixture of good kings and evil kings. You have seven of them that who were wicked. Rehoboam, Abinjah, Jerome, Ahaz, Manasseh, Amos, and Jeconiah. All of them did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Some of them even sacrificed some of their kids to pagan gods. All of this. All these people. Or in Jesus' genealogy, his family history, his family roots. Four of the kings were good. Jehoshaphat, Asaph, Hezekiah, and Josiah. They did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The next group of branches is what I call the exile branches. These are the branches that refer to Jesus' people after they were exiled into Babylon, where the kingdom was no longer around. There were no more kings, no more monarchs. The rest of these in these branches are just regular branches. See, outside of the rebel Bible and Joseph and Mary, nothing is known about the rest of these branches. Indeed, verses 12 to 16. 
These these exile branches are what I call the non-royal branches. These are the working class branches, the regular folk branches, the common branches in Jesus' genealogy. Now, who are the branches in your family tree? Who are they? Do you have common branches? Do you have monarch branches? Patriarch branches? Who are they? Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, siblings, your kids. You can picture them. Who are they? And don't start with just a picture of them. I want you to go a little deeper. And it will require you to ask other type of questions. Questions that get below the surface. Questions that get to the root. Questions like, what kind of branches are my ancestors? What kind of branches are in my family tree? What kind of people were my ancestors? What, what kind of family am I really a part of? Who are we really? Are my ancestors or family roots clean or messy? Are the roots black and white or filled with shades of gray? Probably similar to Jesus' roots. Shades of gray. Some bright spots, some dark spots. See, our family tree is a messy tree. All of it, all of our trees are messy. In the Griswold's comic strip, Tucker said to his dad, he says, Dad, sometimes I wonder if, if people have the same problems I do. His dad says, they don't. People don't have problems. They have issues. The people you descended from have had issues. And you can try to deny the issues, run for the issues, or hide the issues. They're there. Your generational roots, the generational roots of your family are with you on your journey through this life. The good, the bad, the ugly, and the redemptive are with you. They're with you as you journey through the bumpy and curvy pothole-filled road that you're on. They're with you on the mountaintop experiences. They're with you during your time in the valley. They're there. You see, all of us are impacted by our families of origin both positively and negatively. We have family milestones and we have family brokenness. We have family highlights and we have family secrets that we don't talk about. Some of us live with those secrets. Some of us take those secrets to the grave. We have family joy, family pain, family praises, and family scandals. We live with the lasting influences of generational blessings and generational curses. They're over us. Each of us, myself and included, we have rainbows and clouds hovering over us that come from our ancestral and family roots. We do. But do we believe it? Eric was being raised by his father in one of the inner cities in America. Now, Eric's dad, he was an American. He was from another country. He was from the country called Wakanda. In fact, Eric's father was a prince of Wakanda. He was royalty, and so was Eric. But his father never took him to Wakanda. So Eric never met his family back in his father's homeland. So he had no relation or, or relational or emotional connection with his family and ancestors back in Wakanda. All he had was the, the stories that his father told him about his homeland. So as, as, and so as a kid, his, his only encounter 
with his family from Wakanda was a tragic encounter. His only encounter with them as a child was a tragic one. So one night while he was playing basketball with some friends, Eric's father was killed by his own brother, the king of Wakanda. The king said he did it to protect his people. He did it to protect the country. But that decision had deadly consequences. And if you've seen Black Panther, you know what happened. So the king left his brother, dead, left his brother dead body on the floor of the apartment and went back to Wakanda. So Eric's still outside. He, he sees the ship fly from his apartment building. And, and immediately he ran upstairs. And when he enters his apartment, what does he find on the floor? His dad. Dead. And as a little boy, all he can do was hold his father, his father's dead body, in his arms and weep. That's all he could do. Now this young boy was alone. His father taken from him. He was an orphan now. And his uncle abandoned him as if he didn't exist. As if he didn't have any value, any self-worth, or any dignity. And from that moment, a cloud hovered over him from his ancestral and family roots. And that cloud was over him throughout his childhood and his adulthood. And he carried all that pain, that hurt, that great loss, and that anger with him. And he was driven by one goal, payback. Revenge for what was done to him and for what he lost. And if he would have got his way, he would have burned Wakanda to the ground. He would have destroyed his family tree and the rest of the world with it. Now, I don't agree with his methods, but I understand. See, like Eric, you have clouds hovering over you from your family, from your ancestors. It's either a cloud or a rainbow, or it could be a combination of the two. But can you name them? Can you name the rainbows? Can you name the clouds? Or do you just want to forget Thinking about our childhood does make us feel a certain way. Looking at your family history, it shows you stuff. It can reveal stuff. And certain emotions can can overtake you. Shame, anger, guilt, tears, revenge, regret, pain. Our ancestors and family roots, they are with us for better or for worse. And where did you go? To deal with the clouds that's hovering over your life. Because each of us have a little bit of Eric in us. What do you do to deal with it? That pain, that hurt, that shame, that anger, that guilt, those thoughts of revenge, those thoughts of cutting people out of your life. What do you do with it? You said your ancestral and family roots are with you. But they do not have to define you. They do not have to to destroy you. They don't have to control you. They don't have to beat you. There could be freedom. The question is, do you want to be free? Remember Jesus' the three generational branches of Jesus' tree. They're messy, man. It's brokenness there. And yet, eventually, those branches led to the birth of someone wonderful. Someone awesome came from a broken family, a messy family. Someone who who would change the world came from broken roots. And that's the way. 
The one common thread woven throughout Jesus' earthly family tree is the faithfulness of Yahweh Elohim. That's what's woven through it. That's what kept it together. It wasn't them. It was him. It was his faithfulness that kept it together. He was the glue. He worked in and through Jesus' earthly ancestors. And he used them to fulfill his purposes. And their successes and failures did not hinder his plan. Because if they could have, he would cease to be God. His plan was for a true king who was set on David's throne. His plan was for someone who would really be a blessing to all the nations. His plan was for the true son of David, the true son of Abraham. His plan was for one who would be the fulfillment of the messianic promise. The one who would be the true way and the redeemer, the Messiah, the Christ. That is Jesus. That is Jesus. That's who it is. Notice how Matthew starts his genealogy. Usually in the genealogy, you start with the the figurehead first. Notice that Jesus was not born before David and Abraham. But he put Jesus there first because he's showing you that Jesus is the real king. It's all about Jesus. Jesus' ancestral roots and family tree, it shows us that Jesus is a savior of all types of people. All types of sinful people. Broken people. People with messy and broken families. And his death on the cross is sufficient for you and your brokenness. But do you believe it? Or do you think you're just too broken, your family just too messy for Jesus? It's not too messy for Jesus. You have to believe that. You don't have to carry that stuff with you. Give it to him. You're not what happened to you. You're not what happened to you. And parents, if your kids don't turn out the way that you want them to, guess what? Don't live in that guilt. Don't live in that shame. Give it to him. Would you give it to him? Come to him in faith. He meets you on this journey. And he's there with, with outstretched hands, ready to lead and receive and to welcome you. And will you let him show you the way? Will you let him show you the way? He can restore generational curses and generational sins that's been placed on your family. And he can heal you of the ones you placed upon your own self. Like him, the common thread that has been woven throughout your history is the never-ending faithfulness of Jesus in your life. That thread is all throughout your family tree. That's what he's doing. But you've got to have the spiritual eye to see it and ask him to help you to see it. And this table here, this table is a reminder that, that, that Jesus sacrificed on the cross. It's a reminder. I love this. It's a reminder that he has connected you to a different family. Think about that. This table is a reminder that he has connected you to different roots. Heavenly roots. Roots that won't decay. Roots that won't rot. 
a family that won't ever abandon you, a family who will always be there for you. He has connected you to a father who loves you, a father who is patient with you, a father who forgives you, a father who will never abandon you, a father who will, who will, who will pursue you to the ends of the earth, a father whose love for you would never, ever come to an end. That's what this meal reminds you of. And if you are one who profess faith in him, then this meal is for you. This table is for you. It's for your spiritual nourishment. And you are welcome to come. Friends and neighbors, if you do not profess faith in Christ, I'm glad you're here. And if you have questions about what it means to know Christ and save in faith, please see me after the service. And I will gladly sit down with you and tell you how you can get right with God today. Not tomorrow, today. Parents, we ask the kids that are with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. Now can I have all the attention and all the kids? This is my favorite part of the uh, communion. This is why I get to talk to you. This meal, this meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you. It's a reminder that his death on the cross is for you and that through him you can be made right with God. Through him you can have your sins forgiven. And as your pastor, it's my prayer that each and every one of you come to saving faith and you be able to partake of this meal with your parents or your guardians. That's my prayer for you. Let us go to the Lord now and ask him to bless this meal. The officers who are assisting, will you please come forward? Lord Jesus, I do ask that you would take these common elements and use them to edify your people today. Use them to strengthen us. Use them to remind us that that you're with us. That no matter how messy our roots are, Lord, you're better. You're greater. You're sovereign over us. And you're with us through it all. No matter what we go through, you are forever faithful. Amen. Hear these words of the institution. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. 
my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I'm saved from all my enemies. Christ's body broken for you, eat from it, all of you. In the same manner, he also took the cup. And having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, future. Drink from it, all of you. Let us pray. Again, Jesus, thank you for being the way 
Thank you for being our life. Thank you for being everything that we need. And I pray as we go out today, we'll go out in greater confidence and awareness that you're with us. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Will you please stand as we close our service? Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Your plans your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Even in the valley you turn it for our good you turn it for our good for your glory even in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good you're working for our good and for your glory even what the enemy means for evil you turn it for our good you turn it for our good and for your glory even in the valley you are faithful you're working for our good your plans oh your plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us you're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Your plans, your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. You're faithful forever, perfect in love. You are sovereign over us. Amen and amen. If you are a guest joining us today, thank you so much uh, for worshiping with our family. And if you are a first-time guest, we do have...